you're listening to the Soil Talk podcast presented by Central Valley Ag. This is Keith Byerly, Precision Ag Manager at CBA, and I'm joined by Tim Mundorf, Nutrient Management Lead at CBA. week on our Soil Talk podcast, we're going to discuss the nitrogen equation and specifically get into the various parts of it and why there's such a difference between the different entities out there, different states and different farmers, different agronomists when we talk about that. So Tim, let's just get this out in the open before we even start. We're probably going to offend some people today because everybody's wrong and we're right when it comes to this, correct? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Our opinion on this is the definitive opinion when it comes to nitrogen. I equations. have the answer. Good, good. But in all seriousness, let's break this thing down. When we look at the nitrogen equation, whether it's UNLs, Iowa's, Kansas, Midwest Labs, Ward Labs, whatever the individual entity is of it that comes up with their nitrogen equation, they're all somewhat similar, but they all have their own little unique twists, their own little unique individualizations on it. So let's just start at the beginning at that very first piece on expected yield times a number. And that number, most people are going to call their nitrogen factor, what it takes to look at pounds per bushel of nitrogen to get to that desired yield. When we look at that number, we may see growers out there. I know we work with growers here at Central Valley Ag that have their number down on their farm to a 0.7. And we've got guys that are at 1.3 when they begin on this equation and, and understanding how they write their nitrogen decision into their farm. So why do we see such just wide variation? Well, the bottom line is nobody knows ahead of season when you apply a good portion of your nitrogen or even during the season when you're applying a lot of your nitrogen, how much the crop's really going to need and how much Mother Nature is going to provide. So how much do you need to supplement when it all comes together at the end is that corn black layers and you're finally finishing out your yield. So bottom line is it's it's something you can't really predict. I guarantee if I put 10 agronomists in a room and ask them to give me a nitrogen recommendation for 200 bushel corn, I will get 10 different answers. That much I can guarantee you. A key thing is, you know, we've got this yield-based nitrogen recommendation, which is very common as you get in the Western Corn Belt. But in the Eastern Corn Belt, a lot of times you'll have a, a nitrogen recommendation that doesn't even take yield into consideration. It's almost all uh, based on organic matter and expected mineralization and rainfall. So it, it's challenging. Not, e not even everybody agrees that it's a certain uh, number of pounds of nitrogen per bushel of corn. So it's a challenge. You know, when I go to Google, I was doing this the other day when I was getting a presentation ready to give to a bunch of certified crop advisors. I typed in nitrogen factor per bushel and I came up with over 110,000 results on Google for what that nitrogen factor per bushel of corn should be. So when you say you put 10 people in a room and you're going to get 10 different answers, you're not exaggerating in any way, shape or form. Some people go as simple as 1.2 times yield goal and that's their nitrogen factor for the entire year. Some people are 0.9 and some people are 1.2 times yield goal minus legume credit, minus starter credit, minus organic matter, so on and so on and so on and so forth. I personally tend to think 
that when we look at this piece, just the nitrogen factor per bushel, when I write variable rate nitrogen equations, for instance, that number moves by soil type and, and soil conditions out there in the field. I may look at the really good soil that has the potential to mineralize a lot. And while organic matter is part of that and the mineralization from the organic matter is a piece of that, I tend to look at that as having a better potential. So I'll go with a lower pounds per bushel on the recommendation in those types of soils than I do with my whole county farmers out there that have very low CECs, low organic matters, and knowing that when we back off populations and leave nitrogen rates high, we get a better yield than when we back off populations and drop those nitrogen rates. We can capitalize on more nitrogen per bushel out there to turn it into yield. So I'll use a much higher number on those type of soils. So for me, this number is not a static number. It is constantly fluid by the other conditions that are coming together out there in the field. That's a really good point, Keith. What you're really doing is kind of bringing soil health or the soil's ability to provide nitrogen into your thinking. And that's what you as a good experienced agronomist are doing. I, I think that's completely natural. Was when, that a compliment? It was. So don't get used to <laughs> okay. this. When a guy comes to me and says, uh, hey, how much nitrogen do you think I should apply? Number one, I try to get a, an idea. How deep does he want to get into this thing? Because if he wants to keep it kind of shallow, I'll say, look, around a pound of nitrogen per bushel of corn, a little bit less if you're corn on beans, a little bit more if you're corn on corn, and that'll get us to a ballpark. But if he wants to give me some good specifics so we can drill down, I want to talk to him about, okay, how is your nitrogen going down? When are you applying it? And how many applications are you going to make? And what, you know, what is that timing? I think what, I think where you're at there is actually two separate questions. How are growers asked differently? There's the question of how much nitrogen do I need to apply? And then there's the opposite end of the spectrum with the grower that says, how low can I drive my nitrogen efficiency on my farm? And usually when somebody asks how much nitrogen do I need to apply, they're looking for an excuse to put more out there to fit their comfort level. And when the guy's on the other end of that equation and they say, how low can I drive my efficiency? What can I drive that efficiency number to? They're looking at every opportunity they can identify to manage and try to lower their cost production by efficiency. Yeah, I would agree with that. One of the things that actually drives me crazy is I'll get guys that are trying to pull credits from one guy's equation and throwing it into my equation or somebody else's equation. Anytime you build a nitrogen equation, it's all a big, it's a, all a big puzzle and the pieces can't necessarily be picked up from one and go, go into the other. So it's all kind of a system. I'll just throw mine out there. So my nitrogen equation, if a guy really wants to sit down and talk about it, unless he can give me a reason why his factor should be less than this one, it's going to be 1.2 times his expected yield. The credits I'm willing to take off of that are about 10 pounds of nitrogen credit for every percent organic matter. I'll give him some credit for carryover nitrogen within reason. If it's crazy high, he's got to explain to me why it's high. I usually only give that credit for the top two foot of soil. So, and of course, he's got to have a sample. I'll give a credit for previous crop. For me, for soybeans, it's about 40 pounds. I don't give you more credit if you had more bushels. If you're alfalfa, I, 
I honestly have to know what that alfalfa stand looked like before you terminated it, before I start giving you credits there. So bottom line, that's about my recommendation. 1.2 times your yield, take off 40 pounds if you're uh, soybeans, take off 10 pounds for every percent organic matter, take off a credit for whatever carryover nitrate you've got. If you're irrigated, we can check your irrigation water for every part per million. I'm going to give you uh, three-tenths of a pound credit, or no, I'm sorry, it's 0.22 pounds credit, and then that gets time, uh, taken times your inches of irrigation water. So uh, I'll give you a credit for nitrates in your irrigation water as well, but we need to be a little conservative about how much irrigation water you're going to plan on because you don't know how much it's going to rain it. At, at the start of the season. So like 2018, when we had uh, several guys that put on zero rounds or maybe one round with the pivot, and that was just to fertigate versus several other years. I mean, guessing that night, guessing that irrigation budget is always a, a crapshoot out there. You're trying to determine you budget for nine and then you hope for three and you plan for 13. Yep. And as you're talking to that grower, especially if you don't know his operation, it's your first time working with the guy, you need to talk to him a little bit about, okay, what is your system? Are you irrigated? Are you not? Um, again, how are you applying your nitrogen? Yep. And I think probably one of the things we'll find before I kind of, well, I guess my nitrogen equation is very similar. I start off with yield goal. And then if I don't know anything else about the field, I'm going to start at 1.2 pounds of nitrogen and then organic matter credit, soil nitrate credit, irrigation water credit, legume credit, and then possibly looking at a timing factor or an inhibitor factor for one more credit on that piece. But that's where we start. But you know, back to that first piece, whether it's 0.9 or 1.1. I th I think most people in the industry are going to start with 1.1, 1.2, or 1.3. I would agree with that, Keith. As and soon as generally, the number is going to be higher the more credits that they calculate on the backside and lower for the less credits that they calculate. So it might be 1.1 if I've got organic matter and soybean credit. It's 1.2 if I put in some more, and it's 1.3 if I'm going through and adding all of these different credits up to get to that point. I would agree with that completely. As you start bringing more and more credits in, you can't start with a low factor. And that's where I think some guys will get themselves in trouble. They're reading a, too, a few too many things on the internet or they're listening to a few too many different radio shows that tell them we should take credit for this and a credit for this and a credit for this. And oh, by the way, you can get by with only 0.8 or 0.7 pounds of nitrogen per bushel. Well, yes, in that total end, you can get down to say that 0 0.7, 0 0.8 pounds of nitrogen per uh, bushel when you're talking about applied nitrogen. You need mother nature to work for you on the mineralized side and you're going to be taking some credits for other things. You don't start with a 0.7 or 0.8 and then subtract credits from that. When I plug stuff into my GIS software and I'm figuring out variable rate equations or at the end of the season looking at my nitrogen use efficiency, go back to 2018 here again. I started off several acres of the field with a 1.1, 1.2, 1.3 depending on the soil characteristics that I was starting with out there. I ended the season with most of the field between 0.78 and 0.88 on that final nitrogen equation. So all of those credits again, come back and, and feed into what you just said, difference between your initial number as you start the plan 
and work your way backwards versus the end of the year looking hindsight's 2020, right? Having the benefit of hindsight and being able to put the pieces in place as we go. Then as we move on and we talk about that next piece, I think when you work through most university, most people's equations, the next piece is organic matter and the mineralization that goes off of that. And when we look at that, even though eight might be a common number, eight pounds per organic matter, it's definitely not a steadfast rule in there. It's always an estimate. It's a credit coming off your your uh, equations, what it is. And the reason why it's not steadfast, let, let, let's just move across our area here. I start out in western, central Nebraska here, and CECs of less than seven organic matters, less than one. We know that in reality, we mineralize more than eight pounds off of a 0.8 organic matter out there. We get better mineralization because of other soil characteristics that we have out there but we still use eight. We move to central Nebraska, central Iowa, central Kansas, away from those sandy soils. And eight's probably not too bad of a number when we're in organic matters from one and a half to two and a half or into the threes there. That number's probably not too far off. But then we move over into the Missouri River Valley or pick your spot where you've got some of those gumbo-y soils, uh, real sticky and, and, and high mag and hard infiltration. and the organic matter might be 5% out there, but it's sure not going to release you 40 pounds of available nitrogen in most years off of that soil. So we look at all of these different pieces come together and organic matter mineralization can vary just as much as this nitrogen factor as we move from equation to equation. So how do I, somebody else makes nitrogen recommendation, corn, turn, corn turns yellow and they come to me want that second opinion on what's going out there. How do I begin to know these well, assumptions? Well, number one, I, I wouldn't go taking different organic mineralization factors from one equation and plugging it into another one. And a good example of that is University of Nebraska. They've got a organic matter credit that takes into account the yield goal in that area. And then it's a small factor, but oftentimes you, you multiply that yield goal and the factor they use is times 0.14. Uh, times the organic matter. And if you've got 3% organic matter and you're trying to raise 230 bushel of corn, you can easily end up with a credit that's something like 60 or 70 pounds. You take a 60 or 70 pound credit and you go punch that into an equation that was built off a lower efficiency factor. They're just doing one pound of expected nitrogen per bushel of corn. And then you take 70 pounds off of that. And then a couple more credits on top of that, Pretty soon you got yourself in a hole that you're not able to get out of and Mother Nature's not going to bail you out of that one. So be real careful taking a credit from one equation and applying it to another. It doesn't work that way. Yep. So moving on from the, the mineralization talk, we spent some time last time talking about these nitrogen tests that we do out there and, and the nitrate test specifically that we look at out there. We see differences again in these equations as we look at the pounds per whatever from that nitrate equation. I tend to look at that overall test that I get from the lab when I'm coming up with it. I trust, I look at my depth. I don't use a factor to come up with my number there. I'm using what that calculated number is from my soil test lab out there. Is that something we should always give credit to what we see from that nitrate test? Again, going back to our conversation last time, 
Does that test vary by the time of year that it's taken or cover crops out there or all those things? How do we get into a habit of being able to have an established number there we trust? It's good to take a look at that credit if you've got a large amount of nitrogen out there in that system. And especially the closer that test was taken to when your crop needs the nitrogen. So let's just say you took that sample in March before you applied nitrogen, before you planted corn. Um, there's going to be some more rainfall pushing through that, through that system, but it's a better number than a number that was from a sample taken back in October when you've got a lot more rainfall going to go through that system. And of course, you know, as long as that soil has been thawed out, there's a real good opportunity of that nitrogen either moving down through the profile or denitrifying off. So I'm careful, but if it's closer to when the plant needs it and there's a large amount there, I'm at least going to take some credit for it. But I think you got to also take into consideration what's your annual rainfall? What's your expected rainfall from when this number came out to when that crop really needs it? You look at it, I guess if I see that number coming in at less than five part per million on that test, I'm probably going to plug it in for what it's worth. Safe number. Yep. If I see a 12 or a 25 part per million on that thing, I think that starts to open up a lot of other questions and there there are other things to go investigate before I finish my calculation for this year's nitrogen recommendation out there. I absolutely agree that with that. If you cannot explain why that number is so high, be really careful with it. And here's another one that a lot of people don't think about, and this is a mistake I've seen happen. When was that soil sample taken? Is that this growing season or was that an entire growing season ago? You've got a fairly high nitrogen carryover number, but it was from two years ago. That's not still there. I've had guys use those soil tests. You know, it's common to use a pH or a phosphorus number for four years. A nitrogen number is not good for four years. Nitrate is not going to be there after the next growing season. So be very careful and look at when that sample was taken before you use that number. So then the final piece of this equation that I want to spend time on today is that crop rotation piece, that credit that we see out there. And if there's any part of this conversation that's, I think anytime you look at this nitrogen conversation, this nitrogen equation, every piece of this when you split it out is kind of somewhat controversial, but the credit might be the most dividing single piece of this that you get out there. There are a lot of people that just blindly select 40 pounds. It wasn't that long ago when I started in this industry, it was a pound for every bushel of yield that you took off of those beans before. And today, after 20 years, I'm probably more comfortable looking at 35 or maybe 30, again, depending on the, the growing conditions and the rainfall and things like that, for what that credit should be for a soybean crop the previous season versus 40. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm real careful with that one pound per bushel, especially in high yield beans. They don't necessarily produce any more um, stover or biomass that's uh, got that low carbon to nitrogen ratio than uh, say a 50 bushel bean crop. So 50 bushel beans can easily be tall and bushy and 100 bushel beans can easily be about the same size plant and they're probably going to provide about the same amount of nitrogen to the next growing season. So real careful with that number. I get guys that tell me there's no such thing as a soybean credit, that that, that soybeans do not provide additional nitrogen for the next crop. What do you think of that one? Keith? I agree. There is no such thing as a soybean soybean credit, what it is, is it's your corn on corn penalty. 
and whether you take your penalty or you don't take your penalty. This whole idea of the legume credit, I think, is a bit misunderstood. I would go back to that, too. I would say that there's a penalty for corn on corn. Some of the land grants, you can look at their recommendations, and sometimes they'll call it a credit for legumes. Other times, they'll just have a different recommendation for corn on corn versus corn on soybeans. Again, the semantics, I think, gets overdone. Bottom line is, if you don't have to spend nitrogen to break down corn stocks, you don't need to put as much on. Exactly. So that wraps up the conversation today about the nitrogen equation, but I don't think we've quite covered all of the pieces that we want to get across. So next time, we need to finish up this conversation and talk about split applications and how those affect up or down our nitrogen rates for the the total of the year, and then also dive into a conversation about nitrogen inhibitors. So next time, we're going to be joined by a guest, Mike Zwingman with Verdesian Life Sciences, And he's going to help us go through this conversation on both of those things. I think that's a key piece to add in there, Keith. Those those inhibitors are a a newer piece of the puzzle for us. They give us another tool in the toolbox. They let us uh, work within our current system and our timing without making too many adjustments, but basically give us an artificial um, second application almost. Um, So the inhibitors are a key piece and timing uh, just as much. We've got opportunities to go out there and make multiple applications. To be honest with you, I think our, our modern hybrids and our high-yielding corn, and when you uh, combine it with fungicide application and a longer stay green, um, later nitrogen application is more important than it has ever been. Thank you for joining us today. Stay in touch with us by following us on Twitter at ACS by CVA or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Central Valley Ag. If you would like to learn more about CVA, visit us at cvacoop.com and look for our Precision Focus blog series every Thursday. Until next time, this is Soil Talk presented by Central Valley Ag. Ag.